This podcast is part of the Frederick Podcast Network. Learn more at listenfrederick.com. Welcome back to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. This is Adina Mignona, one of your friendly co-hosts of the Big Sci-Fi Podcasts, And I'm here with my co-hosts, Brian Donahue, Christian Fox, and Steve Merkin. Today, we're gonna talk about finding the science in science fiction and what that all means. One of my many hats is as a STEM speaker, and I'm often talking about how we can use science fiction to help promote interest in science, especially with the younger generations. So a big question that I have is, does it matter if the science in science fiction is accurate? So now, back in the 1940s and 1950s, when science fiction was becoming a thing, a lot of sci-fi authors of that era, such as Robert Heinlein, John W. Campbell, Theodore Sturgeon, and several others, proposed definitions of science fiction that all had a flavor of saying that, and I kind of quote, science fiction and not fantasy must be an honest effort at prophetic extrapolation from the known must be made. I think I didn't quite quote that exactly how I meant to, but I think you get you get the point. And Arthur C. Clarke, he was one of the one of the most outspoken known for taking a hard line on this topic. Question that we're going to have tonight is: Should we take that hard line? But before we get into it, how is everyone? How's your week? Who wants to start? Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, good, good. So, Brian, go first. Is my week is fantastic, except for sick kids and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But uh, you know what? Today, as we're recording this, uh, I'm excited and feeling very nostalgic. I've got my Picard Riker 2016 <laughs> Make It nice. So campaign shirt on. Uh, in honor of, as we're recording this today, it is the 35th anniversary of Star Trek The Next Generation. So excited about that. And mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I can't complain. Cannot Good. complain. Steve. All right. All right. Well, I wrote this down because I wanted to say it correctly. But um, last Friday, I saw Avatar in both 3D and 4DX. Now, the 4DX is where they sit you in four chairs and they go, ka-chunk, 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 ka moves with all the action on the film. So <laughs> mm -hmm. if they're flying, you kind of get that sensation. If there's water spraying, you get spritzed. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's a lot of That's fun. That's how I saw The Martian. It was in some kind of like extra experience when mm -hmm. chairs moved and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's the 4DX. Okay. As I saw the movie when it first came out in 2009. Yeah. And crazy. then when it was available, we purchased the extended edition blu-ray which made a number of plot points more clear what i saw on friday was the original release my opinion of the movie has not changed it is visually a treat and this one they actually did in four four uh four k so it was i mean the colors really really popped mm. the colors the images in 3d they weren't overwhelming but they made, gave that film such great depth now to the other side of the coin. <laughs> James Cameron has never had an original film. The Terminator was stolen from Harlan Ellison's episodes from The Outer Limits. He could not have made Aliens without Alien. Titanic is made up love story of a real event. And this film is nearly a side-by-side -side comparison of Disney's Pocahontas. Have you ever seen Pocahontas? Or Insurrection. Aha. Uh -huh. 
from the huh. Indians that are to be moved off their lands for precious metals to the outsider being accepted in the love story to occur to the big tree in the Pocasonis that was a copy of Mother Willow, or actually the big tree in Avatar was a copy of Mother Willow. And then the item that bothered me the most. In the 90s, I worked with a precious metal trader. His name was Lenny Kaplan, and he was fantastic. Hey, Lenny. And he once hey, Lenny. asked me, hey, you like yeah, it's a great name. He, he once asked me to name the most valuable metal in the world. And I said, gold. And he said, nope, it's unobtainium because it's <laughs> unobtainable. And it just got me that Lenny said this to me in the 90s. And there it was in the movie, unobtainium. Probably darn. But what got me more was in the movie, in the office of the bad corporate guy was an example of the ore. And it's none other than iron pyrite or known as fool's gold. Mm -hmm. Enough said about Avatar. <laughs> Chris, you got to follow that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I did not see Avatar in, on the weekend. Uh -huh. I, what did I, I didn't do anything science fiction related. Um, I watched Johnny English with my girlfriend. That was fun. We watched that. Oh, for that's the, a funny like, movie. I haven't seen that in a long time. Oh, it yeah. was hysterical. Uh -huh. I laughed at everything I laughed at when I saw it as a kid. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing remarkable. I mean, I, so I did get, so update on my Wrath of Khan, mm -hmm. um, and Ale bottle. So I got that. Oh, it was great. leaking. It looks great. It was leaking. So I had to use um, sealant for it. And that did not, it does not look appealing, but it worked. And it's good enough for my backdrop. So in my videos, it looks crisp and it looks mm -hmm. good. But uh, it was just kind of messy. But I'm hoping to get uh, like a much better one from Star Trek Wines because apparently they're actually going to be selling the bottles without alcohol so I can get them shipped here. Um, so that's kind of the big exciting thing. And um, yeah, no Avatar. I have not seen it in a long time since it came out, and I don't know that I'm dying to see it again. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think I saw some commercials that it was out in the theaters as kind of a, a yeah. You know, a, my you know, my the wife they loves the movie. It's a beautiful movie. It's, yeah, it's it really yes. is a beautiful yeah. movie, but it's it's in many cases a very simplistic film of good guys and bad guys, and it just really, I mean, I. It steals from so many other films. And now we've got the second film mm -hmm. finally coming out after 13 years. Yeah. This, this, well, this, we'll see. We'll is see it, how is it, this one does. Is it finally, though? Like, are we, like, like is this something we've been waiting for all this well, time for Avatar 2? Has people been craving? Like, it's not like, uh, what's the Game uh, of Thrones book that everybody wants to come uh, out? The yeah. one that finishes the story, you know, book number right. six. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But like think, people haven't been asking for Avatar too. I don't know, Chris. I, I think nope. there are there's a good amount of people who loved Avatar who thought it mm -hmm. was the best movie ever made. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay. And yeah, I mean, I, I know people who felt that who told okay, me like you've got to watch this, Brian. It's the best film I've ever seen. It's and, it's beautiful. It's oh yeah, beautiful it's got a lot. It's got a ton it's, going. There's a lot yeah. of creativity in the the visuals and just yeah. you know I, I was also impressed just. The, technically how they made it work yeah. you know right yeah. but yeah I, think of I it mean, also yeah, i'm sorry go ahead chris and i meant no disrespect to the movie and that like no right, one liked right. it but i remember like when it came out everybody was into it 
Mm-hmm. But then people don't seem to talk about it. like the way they talked about, like I think about the Dark Knight coming out a year before mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everybody still talks about the Dark Knight like all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like the, I haven't heard as much conversation around Avatar. Yeah. And I then when Avatar 2 was announced, I've heard kind of like, uh, okay, we'll see it. I mean, I'm willing to give it a shot. Like as people well. have pointed out, James Cameron hasn't really failed before. So he has a really great track record. Oh, so yeah. No, his movies do exceptionally yeah. well. Well, and, but, and I, I saw an article <clears throat> recently, too, that he basically makes movies to fund his undersea exploration. Mm-hmm. That's what he really well, is passionate this, about. And so this next one is all about the water. So it's going to make him very happy. But it's interesting. Sigourney Weaver was on uh, Stephen Colbert's late night with Stephen Colbert the other night. There is underwater sequence that she did. She had to learn how to free dive from Navy SEALs. And she was able to get to the point she could hold her breath for six and a half minutes. Oh, oh wow. my goodness. Tom Cruise is not going to be pleased. She well, did those stunts herself. I give her incredible. great credit. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's see, now I, I, I think for things like that, I want to see it. Yeah. yeah. And it, like it's Sigourney Weaver. If she's coming back, it's like, I kind of want to see it. I just well, it's like not going to be her. It's going to be an avatar. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the other thing. And then the other thing about the film, it's just like it's almost 80 to 90% animated. So it's, you know, is it really a live action film or is it really an animated film? Because they do animate pretty much everything in it. But that's, again, we'll see. Disney now owns it. So they're going to promote the heck out of it. And you'll see lots of toys at Christmas time for Avatar. I mm-hmm. bet you. Right. Okay. Definitely. Okay All with right. that. Yeah. And so for me, this weekend is or this past weekend or past week hadn't been so much on sci-fi watching because you know, two things have been going on uh, that are they're sci-fi-ish related. And one is I'll, I'm gonna be speaking at a conference, uh, not a conference, a convention, a literary convention this coming weekend. So by the time people hear this, it will have been in the past. But there's mm-hmm. one in the the Washington, DC, Maryland area called Capclave. And so I've been doing a little research because they put me on a, a YA panel, a young adult panel, oh, wow. uh, amongst other panels, because Crazy Foolish Robots, my book, is it, it, not that I wrote it to be YA, but it's YA accessible. So I, I got in with the oh, YA people. That's yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great. Cool. So uh, the person who's moderating the panel had gotten in touch with us, us ahead of time to tell us what question, you know, some of the questions he's going to ask. So I was doing some research because while I do also, I enjoy reading and watching YA, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm the most knowledgeable person. So I was trying to catch up a little bit to, to know a little bit more. And then the other part of my weekend was, this is where, you know, I do say my life kind of bridges science and science fiction because at work, I run a virtual reality lab and I was doing a lot of work this weekend to prepare for a big demo related to that. And, you know, virtual reality is one of those technologies that, it's kind of, you know, coming out of science fiction and mm-hmm. coming into the mainstream because of headsets like Oculus and HTC Vive. And, and I do see this as, you know, this is the beginning of what might be a holodeck in a hundred, you know, hundred years mm-hmm. or so. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that was, that, that was kind of where I was this uh, last week or so. And which brings me, I want to, I really want to jump into this first question. Cause I think this is the one to me that is one of the most important ones. When we talk about science and science fiction, how important is it that the science and science fiction be accurate? 
you know, and does bad science or inaccurate, so not bad science, I'll say inaccurate science, mm-hmm. does it ruin science fiction? I know for some mm. people it does, but I'm wondering for you guys, <clears throat> does it ruin science fiction? Well, and can okay. I also just, just sure. want to say, um, put this out, you know, I know a lot of times when we talk about, you know, science and science fiction, most people go to thinking about space and astronomy and computers, but that is not the only science that science fiction to be based off of, you know, mm-hmm. biology, psychology, yeah. neuroscience, all these other things that I'm personally not an expert in, uh, mm-hmm. but, but are certainly you know, part of their science and their science fiction based on them. Yeah. Well, I, I was, I wrote down here, if only if the science is the main reason for the story, since most viewers of films or movies or TV shows aren't scientists, the script writers can get away with some murder. But if it's glaring, like what we talked about last week, Moonfall, then it can kill the film because even the layman will go, that's inconceivable. <laughs> All right. Well, See, but I- now, but there's Moonfall, but then what about Star Wars? Right. Uh, the, the engine uh, problem. How do they get yeah, to light speed? How do they power well, that for real? Is right? that, that well, whatever well, they call fantasy it? And so on. It, well, is that it? Do we yeah. just accept at some point, you know, it is fantasy and then we so we just don't worry about the science in it? I think but see, so. Go see, ahead, but what about Star Trek where they like science Star Wars is easier because it's like, okay, it's fantasy. So you don't they don't even really go to any great lengths no. to explain anything. But Star Trek, I find it doesn't bother me, but I know the science isn't like real. There's some stuff that is based on reality, but then mm-hmm. there's stuff where they're just making stuff up, like uh on trekking with the fan, we were talking about the episode where Harry um, came in Voyager, where he dies and he goes to this planet, and they're like, "Oh wow, is that what death is like, or something?" And they're dealing with these subspace vacuoles, and it's like, do they even know what they're? I know there was some explanation, but I just feel like Star Trek is always throwing out these things, just sometimes out of nowhere, where they're mm-hmm. like, "Well, let's make up some random element. Let's make up." Uh, like some kind of pulse energy that doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have any basis. So I don't know. For me, it doesn't completely detract because I can still enjoy track without really being upset that all oh, the science is inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's it's harder because like they're so far into the future that it's more believable that they would have different science than we do because mm-hmm. they know like they're more knowledgeable. But then, see, I'm flip flopping because then it gets harder if you're looking at. <laughs> If you're looking at like a show that is set or a movie set on Earth, like Moonfall, where mm-hmm. they're just blatantly not getting it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, if, you're you're right, Chris. I agree with you. Yeah. Again, being in so far in the future, we can assume that it'll only be better. AKA, they still owe me flying cars that he promised <laughs> me in 1963, and we haven't gotten them, and the Jetsons are very upset about that. Flying uh, cars, bummed, household yeah. robots mm-hmm. to do our yes. cooking and All cleaning, uh, a lot of things. Yep. Yes. Oh, those were the days. Day. Or they the will be the days, wars. I guess. I, I still want to eat my apple pie and like just like let my car drive on autopilot. That's that's an iRobot reference for our listeners. <laughs> or go buy yourself reference. a Tesla. Go buy yourself a Tesla. I'm, I'll tell you. Oh my! Don't even get me started. Like I want one. Like I want to quote Captain Decker here, where he's like, "As much as you wanted the Enterprise, I want this. I want a Tesla." <laughs> well, one day, my one of the one of the partners at my wife's work 
he has a Tesla and he took my wife and her friend out to dinner and they're on the freeway going 65 miles an hour. And he takes his hands off the steering wheel and he goes, watch this. And the car just starts to make a big bank on a big curve. And my wife's like, oh, my God. And he's like, he's mm-hmm. like, it's driving itself. It's driving yep. it all by itself. Uh, that's the dream. Yeah. And, and I do believe that that those, you know, that, that self-driving cars, they are in our, we're all going to live to see that become the, the norm. It was really funny. A few years ago, my son, my who's now 12, but I think at the time he was like six or seven, he made a funny comment because we were, I was driving somewhere, he's sitting in the back seat, and I said something, you know, so when you're older and you learn how to drive, yada, yada, because that's, you know, when you're a kid. That's like the big thing is to get old enough to be able to drive. And he made a comment about how he doesn't want to drive mm. because because he sees me driving and he sees that I can't do anything else while I'm driving. Wow. And he wants the self-driving car so he can do other things. Mm-hmm. So similar to the eating a- apple, you know, eating apple pie comment. Mm-hmm. Now, now that he's like 12, he's a little older. He, I think does see the day that he's going to drive, he's, mm-hmm. you know, but it was really funny because when he was like, yeah, like seven or so, I was like, no, I don't. I don't why is driving any fun? Like I want to do something else. Right. I don't want to have to be paying attention. To I, I, my, <laughs> my wife hates the way that I drive. Mm-hmm. And so, because I'm a tourist when I'm driving, I'm looking everywhere except straight ahead, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so, so a self-driving car would be good for you too. <laughs> yeah, it would actually just type in the destination and just uh-huh. say out nice. loud, get me there safely car. Yep. And just to make sure. And I, you know, and I, she says I, I sit in the passenger seat the exact same way I drive, you know, looking, looking around, around and everything. And uh, unless, of course, I'm napping, which is the great benefit when you get to a certain age of not being the driver. As oh, long as I you don't that. have to navigate for the drivers, mm-hmm. you get to take a little nap. And um, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to quote Clint Eastwood. I, You'll take my manual shifter knob out of my cold dead <laughs> hand before i give up driving a stick shift <laughs> well let me answer this first question for real sure go okay. ahead because I, I, I when it all comes down to it i don't care if the science is is good or bad as long as they're telling a good story an intriguing <laughs> story as long as 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 long as i can um you know, postpone my disbelief because it's such an, such an intriguing story plot line. I'm buying the acting, I'm buying the special effects, all that stuff. When it all works together and it's a really great story, it doesn't bother me unless it's something, you know, they're trying to do something really bizarre, like really crazy. Um, Well, what define really crazy? Because like uh, faster than light I, travel I, is by definition really crazy. Yeah, in transporters right. being able to beam yeah. up um, is which Doug Drexler told us was magic. You know, I think that's the mm-hmm. word he used. That's that's magical. You know, mm-hmm. um, in Star Trek, yep. um, and it doesn't bother. I think it's the coolest thing ever. You know, um, faster than light travel. Um, you know, beaming up stuff like that. It's all, but that's done most of the time when it comes to Trek in a good story it's wrapped Mm -hmm. in a good package that makes me suspend my disbelief Mm -hmm. um so for me it's not hugely important it was it was probably the most glaring at moonfall um that they just 
totally took all the liberties in the world with that. But I mean, at the same time, it's a fantastical type movie. Oh, a totally catastrophic. Event. Fantastic. I'm just kidding. Well, but we, yeah. I, th- I think we, we generally agree that the story in the movie was terrible, you know, and it, yeah, was, that's why it's, yeah. that's why we're, pick- yeah. that's why we picked on the science mm-hmm. all the more. The was terrible it the premise? science all the more. Like, was it the premise that was the problem? Because I thought the premise is actually no. pretty unique. Like, it's not yeah. anywhere different yeah. than like other movie. Oh, it was yeah. the premise that was no, the- no, 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 no. The premise I, was fine. No, the premise oh, okay. was fine. It, it was everything about how it was executed mm-hmm. was just miserable. It was, right. It looked good. Yeah, it, it was like just, it was a good movie except for everything good. else. Well, so now here's now in that movie there was just so much glaring. Okay, but in that that I feel like everyone's going to notice that there's a bazillion things wrong in that. But now my question is, is because, you know, out of the group of us, I'm the one with the, the you know, the more of the science background. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, as non-scientists, like if, if there's something obviously wrong, does that would that ruin the movie for you? Mm. Can I quote the great cat Sylvester? Yes, please. That seems logical. <laughs> <laughs> if it does seem logical, mm-hmm. then you'll accept it. Mm-hmm. If it seems plausible, even though it may not be true, but if it seems plausible, then you'll accept it well, and you'll enjoy sure. it. Sure, but that doesn't, I don't think that qualifies as what I'm saying is like, like oh, okay. you know, something that's obviously wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. trying but, to even think of something but that's as a layman, wrong. As a layman, we, we you yeah. know, again, we cannot, we cannot really sit there and analyze the physics, the mm-hmm. reality, whatever. So again, if it just seems logical or like, yeah. I'll, I'll well, Chris, it. Chris well, off screen brought up Star Trek Generations. Right. The- that- you want to, you want to expe- expound on that, Chris? Cause I think that yeah. is a good case in Trek mm-hmm. where they do something to bring along the plot where it was kind of like, that's what they came up with, you know? Yeah. So for all of you who haven't seen Generations in a while, basically Soren is trying to get back to the Nexus. And so he apparently can't fly into the Nexus because apparently you can't just get hurt or have or jump out of your ship like Captain Kirk did where he fell out into the Nexus. You can't do that. So he was blowing up planets to chase the gravity to make the Nexus come, come to him. towards him. Yeah. And there just seems so much wrong with it. Like, what I, I really don't I can't imagine that that was the only way they could he could achieve his goal. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. don't know that blowing up the planets would exactly. I don't know if that would exactly like if that would happen if you were to blow up planets and if you could calculate exactly how much the gravity would shift. Um, and then there's the whole issue of you can't launch a rocket that seems like a regular rocket and have it impact and destroy a planet within seconds. So- and I don't think they even specify they're doing it at warp speed or anything. Well, that that was yeah. So, that I, to me, that was one of the the biggest problems there was like that rocket had to have been going faster than light to. to I mean, yeah. they're 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 vague on the details. You really don't know how mm-hmm. far away the planet is from the sun. But like, let's look at our you know like our planet is it's like eight or nine light minutes from our sun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and that it took how long did it take the the, the rocket to get from that planet to that sun? It was like a minute or a half. It was like a, it was not even it's, a minute. I feel it was like right. really quick. It was like he sees it up and then he does the thing with his yeah. hand because he realized because the thing changes. Yeah. So it, that that's that's not like yeah. So there's some issues there, and then there's the, the the you know what technology would it take to cause some kind of reaction to happen in a and, star to blow up the star? Well, yeah. Now, in 
in, in, yeah, I'm sorry, just, Dana. In, no, and no, no, okay. at the at the opening of the film, which I really love the opening generations. I know oh, some yeah. people really liked it, didn't like it. Um, but I thought the reporters with the cameras right in their faces was pretty cute and just fun. But, you know, um, a lot of people thought that was stupid. But the opening sequence, those ships, the Nexus, the ribbon comes up and destroys those ships. Right? So right. Mm-hmm. how can, why would it be to pass through a planet? Well, it's not passing through. It's destroying the planet. I mean, I think I think the, no, the thought he's, is he's destroying the planet. Well, oh wait a minute, no, no but, no, but, but you're he, right. He's, it he's, passes through the planet. Yeah, but he's standing up there with his, which is a dramatic visual. It was oh, fantastic what? Like, visual. I had, the, I had the calendar. Oh yeah, that, it's that gorgeous. image. Oh gorgeous. They, the Nexus itself. They're lucky they did a good job creating it through visual effects because the Nexus was beautiful. But oh. you know, how can it? How can he? stand there when it blew up a ship and it not blow hurt him before it blows up the planet is what i'm saying that's that was well, like I a think glaring thing because me. he was like in front of it so i guess like the part of the planet that hadn't i don't know right <laughs> so i brought up my I'm head feeling, yeah, I'm, I'm buying it. yeah yeah i gotta get the whiteboard out and explain this but i don't know i i actually still love the movie even Let's though it's like well, okay so there, there so there movie. we go so we know here's a movie that we know the science a little wonky in, in a few areas, science and technology, mm-hmm. um, you know, which we always lump into saying science, but science and technology okay. are different. Um, but there's a good example. Here's a movie. The science is a little wonky, yet we love the movie. Yeah. Well, it's, see, yeah. the difference is I don't know if we love the movie as a oh. collective in terms of Trek. I just well, I meant like we, it, the, we, us. Oh, call, OK, like cool. The, the, four, was... the four of us love the movie, right? Okay, awesome. Yeah, because I, I always do. thought yeah. I'm like alone in the I will yeah. I won't defend generation. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a good movie, but I love it just because I grew yeah. up with it and I love so many elements to it. Yeah. Generations I mean I, I love is not a classic Trek film, but it is a uh there are other films in the Trek universe that it is better than. Oh yeah. Um and oh, it's a sure. it's a it's a it's a decent film. It's mm-hmm. enter, it's entertaining enough. I think even today, I think it holds up still today as mm-hmm. far as effects mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 a it's a decent. And film. it was nice. And the lighting see, is good in the movie. Yeah, and it was nice to see Picard and Kirk together. Mm-hmm. And that, that great fun. line. What was that great line where he says, you know, up oh, going to save the universe again? Okay, and they're on their horses. You know, like okay, this is what we do. Or, that's what that's captains of the Enterprise do. We save the galaxy. You one, know, one of my favorite lines: mm-hmm. Picard's got the food. He follows Kirk into oh. his bedroom, and it's turned. It's actually the barn or the stable. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "This is not your bedroom." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's bold. I, I will say, I I do have this habit. If I see toast pop out of a toaster, I have to go <laughs> where he does like the weird points <laughs> at the toaster. Yes. So I do to get that from the movie. But yeah, it was always weird that Picard was like, you know what? This is a private moment between Kirk and his partner and he's going into the bedroom. No, I'm just no. going to go in. No, see, I'm okay with that because this is not a, it's not a, he, because Picard knows it's not a real private note. He, he knows that they're in the nexus. He knows what's. Yeah, but right. Still, the universe like is in peril. This is not, this <laughs> isn't like a normal 
like if they were at their real house and there mm-hmm. wasn't an emergency going on, sure. But, but there's an emergency and it's not real. Chris, was Chris it an emergency? Is... There's no time. There's no time. You can right. do whatever time you want. Time has no meaning. No meaning. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think Stuart did a nice job of hesitating, though. We're that totally off track here. But Stuart yes, did a are. great Thanks job of hesitating to me. And, say, and showing us he was a wee bit uncomfortable because he didn't know what the heck was going to be on the other side of that door for real, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I'll but take he, had to go in. he had to go in. He had he to go did. in. He it was an emergency. Like, yes, the, the universe is in crisis. But, okay, so <laughs> good. anyway, we have a great example of a movie <laughs> okay. that mm-hmm. – we we generally like because mm-hmm. yeah. it, it's one of those if it comes on to, I will always watch it. Yeah, I'm happy to watch mm-hmm. it. I I'll mm-hmm. put it on. You know, I, yes, okay. But yes, there are some there are some problems. Mm-hmm. Well, so the question is is so for movies like that, you know, should they they do um and I, I don't want to say disrespect to anyone who mm-hmm. might be working on the science on these things, but because I don't know because I, I know there's some inconsistency. Like they'll hire science advisors, but it doesn't necessarily mean they use them. It doesn't necessarily mean they take their advice. Well, you, you can know. hire, you can hire. Um, my wife gets very frustrated at films where the actors clearly do not know how to ride the horse they are on. Mm-hmm. Heels are all, they're not down, you know, they're not holding the reins correctly. You know, I mean, she can, and, and yet if you look at the uh, at credits, it'll show horse trainer or mm-hmm. horse instructor mm-hmm. and so just because you have that person doesn't always mean stuff gets followed through with or what have you i mean story sure. Sure. story and get it you know getting to it is what's really important steve is just itching to say something i can no i'm just gonna say i yeah i think it's a good idea not only does it help the film or tv show to stay grounded if it can but it does add some respectability to the production. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, what? yeah, they're, they're going to hire them. And you're right. The, the script writer is going to go, yeah, but see, that's not the drama we wanted. Or that's mm-hmm. not the, the, the way the story was supposed to go. And the, you know, the, the scientist may oh. just throw his arms up in the air and go, that's it. I'm out of here. See, I want I want to be that science. So, if anyone is listening, hire me. I want to be. I want to try being that science person and convince people That'd be cool. <laughs> a good way to do things Star and Trek. how to maintain the story. I'm, Star I'm Trek sure scientists, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Steve. We're all like trying. Star Trek had the techno babble, right? They would the writers would leave things blank and then a technical writer would come in and say, oh, he's talking about da-da-da-da-da, and they'd fill in the blanks and mm-hmm. put all the techno babble in there. Mm-hmm. And But I think Steve is absolutely correct. I think it's probably a good idea for films that have any type of science, outer space, anything science fiction, to have some sort of person who has a reasonable amount of knowledge and expertise that might be at a pitch in and help and might have a good idea to make it a little more mm-hmm. believable when mm-hmm. possible. But mm-hmm. Steve is absolutely right. Um, you know, the director, the, the writers, the producers can overrule anything if they think mm-hmm. they have a better idea and they want a bigger bang for their buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back to the original Star Trek, I know um, I'd seen some stuff that Roddenberry had had consulted with Isaac Asimov 
um, oh. you know, oh, during, yeah. during that. Well, because Asimov was not only a science fiction writer, but he wrote, he was a scientist and wrote about science as well. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of like a, I think, you know, one of the, I'm going to say early science advisors because I don't know who else uh, was mm-hmm. in in that those generations. But there is, you know, I think a bunch of correspondence that you can find online if you're interested in in the back and forth there. But yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think, I think was... was it was it Mr. Drexler again? He said that Gene kind of he had a good relationship with him offset and mm-hmm. outside of Trek, but they really butted heads a little bit because. Mm-hmm. Isaac was saying, you can't do that. It's got, you got to, you know, whatever. And um, they, maybe I'm thinking of another person. Yeah. I got to think of something else I'm thinking of now. Uh Yeah. No, but I think, I think that was it because they, they corresponded, but right. I mean, like that doesn't mean that, that Asimov's advice was taken or that any science advisor, you know, his Uh advice is taken. Uh That's one of the reasons I think I like Interstellar. I know we, we covered this a little bit, but that was because that's actually how the movie got formed. It was formed when we said, well, hmm, can we can we actually have a film based around like current known theoretical physics and mm-hmm. and the relationship between, you know, Kip Thorne and the director there was they, you know, Kip Thorne actually has said that he thought they did a great job of taking uh, and incorporating, you know, when they had written something in the script and he was like, yeah, this is not going to work science-wise of changing it to make it work science-wise. So that's one of the yeah, reasons that, why I like that film. Yeah, And I think it's so great because that was one of their big marketing things is, hey, like this is legit science for the most part, like when they get to the black holes, but they're very open, like, hey, we don't know what happens if you enter one mm-hmm. or something like that. So it's like we're able to come up with the fourth dimension or whatever he was when he was in the library thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you buy that, but they did a really good job with the science. That just movie, that movie kills me because like the emotion, the scene between um why can't i think of, what's the main guy's name uh, the guy played uh, by matthew mcconaughey matthew mcconaughey's character and like yeah. him and murph like that scene when he's driving off and she wants to say goodbye brutal mm-hmm. but um but yeah i think the science really helped that film i'll put mm-hmm. stand out okay Next. so what other films so there, there's like a, i have a list of films that i think are generally did like really good with the science like yeah. are, are, and you know mm-hmm. um, i know some of them are my favorites like contact Mm-hmm. Oh, contact! I have to see. I need to get on, on that. You haven't mm-hmm. you haven't seen contact. Oh. Mm-hmm. The closest I got to was there was one time I was looking at Amazon and there was like a product and they had a TV in the background and I saw like a name credits. So I wanted to look up to see if that was a real movie. And I'm like, oh, that was mm-hmm. Contact. Mm-hmm. But I need to. I thought, I need I to thought you were going to say the closest you ever came to watching Contact was watching Star Trek First Contact. That would have been a funny no, answer. no, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I would be sorry. I see. I see. You have the Adrom- Adromeda strain. Yeah. I've never. I've got to see that film. That's oh, one that I yeah. keep forgetting yeah. to. Yeah, no. so that's that's one of those, you know, it's more like the the biology area that's not that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not an expert in. So I, I feel, I guess, I, I feel like maybe I feel the same way as other people watching, you know, mm-hmm. space movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just don't know about about the stuff. But that mm-hmm. was one like in high school, we had like a, a half year science fiction class that mm-hmm. offered by the English department and <clears throat> where we read science fiction and then in some cases watched a couple movies. But mm-hmm. the Andromeda Strain, like that was one of our like required reading in that class. Well, I got to my dad took me when that movie came out. I saw the Andromeda Strain with Silent Running and it was mm-hmm. like, oh. I'll never forget how wonderful that was because they were really interesting films about science. One, a germ that ends up arriving on a, I believe, meteorite 
Mm -hmm. and then a movie about trying to maintain the last of our forests in deep space you know so both were really interesting films but you know when you talk about you know movies that got it right or wrong i wrote here to me first and foremost it's the martian Mm-hmm. When scientists yes. looked up the map that was the basis for much of the calculations that was used in the film, they found that they were only a few degrees off. Mm. So he spent a lot of effort making sure the math was right. Um, you mentioned about her as another example of uh, what's the future of AI and mm-hmm. can it become so self-aware of its users that it can become interactable with, as if it was a real creature. Gattaca, when it came out, was so interesting because it all dealt with DNA mapping. And now we use they use DNA mapping to solve crime. So it's Mm -hmm. it's science that became real. And then interesting. But then I take, you know, movies that weren't perfect. And I mean, one of my favorite films of all times is Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Yeah, the science wasn't correct in that. But the story about how someone psychologically can survive on a planet by himself. That was the interesting part of the story. So if you you accepted, right. you know, all the other stuff and you dealt with that, it was really a great movie. I don't know but, if I've ever seen that. Uh, it's, yeah, I haven't seen that it's, either. It's it a wonderful on the list. film. It's a, it's a wonderful film. It's not perfect. It definitely I'm so behind is. on my list. Yeah, but it's really good. And, you know, it's funny. I always enjoy hearing what Neil deGrasse Tyson says because he reviews a film based on science. And mm-hmm. if he says it's good or bad and he loved The Martian... And he also left gravity. Mm-hmm. And so there's a guy who would be a one would, heck of a consultant. I would use him for a film. So me and my I, colleagues have a lot of disagreeing opinions about gravity. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we agree on the things that they got right and wrong. Mm-hmm. But then we disagree on what that means for our enjoyment of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I've said this before here. Like the fact that there's a bunch of like little things that are wrong. Ooh, yeah. I still love that movie. I think it was a great movie. It was really well done. It was really you know, well put together. And a lot of the important things, like what it really feels like to be an astronaut in space. I mean, several astronauts mm-hmm. have come out and said that that, yep, they, they got, you know, a lot of that right. Uh-huh, yeah. But a lot of my coworkers mm-hmm. can't look past the, the, some of the details. <laughs> well, the fact that, you know, she's able to get from one location to another and not miss the target. So she always makes it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she gets into a Chinese rock, miss a Chinese capsule and a Russian capsule they all have to have, you know, I mean, you jump into one car or another and you have a hard time finding where the turn indicator is. So yeah. was she taught on right. using all well, these different spacecraft. So those the are guests. the minor things. Those are implausible things, but not, not necessarily like <laughs> wrong scientifically. It's the, the biggest, the biggest one that, that gets us is when the stuff explodes and it's coming around each orbit. Mm-hmm. That's completely wrong. That's just completely flat out oh, wrong. The, the space oh, debris really? from the Russian yeah. satellite. Oh, I yeah. have to rewatch that. Yeah, how orbits work and and everything. That's just and that that's the one that you know when my colleagues who have the issues with it. That's yeah. spe- specifically what where the movie loses them is getting that wrong. See, and again, so what I does that material do? Does it? Push, does it fall so, down to Earth faster or away from Earth? Oh, we have to we have to have a whole discussion on how orbits and stuff work. But if you you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's the, the thing is what they did in the movie is they kind of like had it 
repeat. Like it's coming back to the same location over and over. Right. No, that that is no. Because you, you have got, a degrading at you have a degrading well, orbit always, so, right? So well, depends on how much energy the stuff uh-huh. has, but it's not, you know, so if it has enough energy, it's it's going, you know, out. If it doesn't have enough energy, yes, it's going to come down, but it's definitely not going to cross the same way exactly the same time. Like every, like no, there, every ninety in, minutes. There it sure was dramatic, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. No, it, that's why it was a good movie. The yeah. the dramatic beats were all like on point. And which mm-hmm. is why, like, I'm willing to say that, okay, yes, they they screwed up the science. They literally screwed up the science, but but the you know the drama and the characterizations and all all that stuff was great. Well, they just had to get rid of everybody so it could just be her alone, mm-hmm. and and yeah. and and ghostly uh, George Clooney. And that stuff is great. I mean, when you see her and you think George Clooney actually shows up and he's you know he he's there to mm-hmm. save her, and you go. Wow, wait a minute. How could he open up the hatch and she hasn't depressurized this? You know, like, okay, that's a, oh, it's a dream sequence. Okay, I accept that. You know, yeah. and that and that was beautiful story I, writing right there. Really well done. Gotta say, very few actors and actresses can carry a whole film like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And she you was not nominated. What the stupid. heck? Stupid. You you have to be. I mean, close up galore, like it's all about what you're doing and how you're interacting and feeling mm-hmm. like that was a superb performance from Sandra Bullock, yep. like yeah, way undervalued performance. But it was my wife to tell me that was one of the soundtracks she would not let me buy because it's so powerful with that sound at the when everything is having it's it's really just fantastic oh i'm gonna look that up now yeah you have to look at the soundtrack is just it's it's pulsatingly powerful really good so we could talk about movies that get it right what about the movies that get it wrong yeah oh Uh, kind of talked 2012 that's (laughs) (laughs) i i wrote down here star wars lightspeed and we're and or how the astronaut <laughs> farmer, my all-time favorite, oh, really come on. in a bar. <laughs> and next week's discussion, Armageddon. Oh, come on. I can't wait to talk. Like, do we even bring that up? Because there's so much to unpack there. And what about yeah. TV shows like La Brea, where they go with? <laughs> is, that, no, is that is that a recent show that came out? That came La out Brea. last year. They got another season about how there is a world underneath in the earth that is uh, forget about it. I oh, I don't even know the show. I don't, I don't no, know the show. I watched okay, the first two now. episodes and I said, that's it. I can't watch it. What this are they? Morlocks? No, they're, <laughs> they find a whole world underneath La Brea tar pits in Los Angeles. <laughs> it is. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, but now again, in in that whole so Star Wars, okay, Star okay. Wars we accept as really it's fantasy, <laughs> fantasy set, mm-hmm. you know, in, in space. But yeah. again, if you have like a like an alternate Earth or an alternate, you know, you just kind of say this is the rules of mm-hmm. our, you know, universe. This is the rules of our universe yeah. within the context of the story. <laughs> so I mean, like you can't have an underground world under. Or, or you can have like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer where there's, yeah. you know, this one town that's above all like the, the monster. You know. Know. But then it's like, it, it, that's, that's really, it's, it's fantasy. Yeah. No. You know, and I'm like, as yeah. long as it's self-consistent, I, I know I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, we have the parking, I, I invite my... you to watch, watch, watch an episode. Of well, as long as it, it's got to be just right? good, you know, 
too. No, it's not even no. The <laughs> okay, acting, so then, yeah. horrible. No, the acting was horrible. It was okay. very wooden acting. It's ugh. okay. I haven't I mean, heard it's of it. It's a I network show. Okay, yeah. which is always challenging. I was mm-hmm. going to say one thing about Star Wars that I just can't buy is that parking is so easy for them. People park faster than you can park in real life. You can't get into a Costco parking lot like you can get into or parking space. Like Han can get into a parking thing. That's all I'll say. Let's move on before I derail it. (laughs) I I don't know what I have to say about this, so I'll just be quiet. About about like the ones that are unbelievable? I don't know. Because I think like because I like so one of the ones I don't know where, where we are, are we but like twenty twelve so, okay. is always the one yeah. that like I hear a lot of criticism for the people just like yeah. they do not buy mm-hmm. but see twenty twelve I think is see the one defense I'd say is that they specifically say at the beginning that what's happening is impossible so as soon as they acknowledge that it shouldn't be possible I'm more open to it than if they try to make it seem like it makes mm. sense because they're already acknowledging that like hey what we're seeing is impossible mm-hmm. so just go with it. Yeah. yeah, kind of thing. And I think for me, I love the yeah. drama and I like the the acting and well, I like the yeah. the moral the the ethical questions they get into, which I don't think 2012 gets enough love and consideration, or um, like the ethical aspect of it. Like, do you tell the world that it's ending? Do you tell people that it's ending? And is it right or wrong? I don't think yeah. it's enough appreciation, but then, then, I buy then. it because of the oh, this is. But the what is it the 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 sign somehow causing a physical reaction in the core of the earth. That's impossible. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, all right, cool. It's impossible. Go with it. But then if yeah. you want to watch a good movie that has that same question, do you tell the world is coming to an end? Don't look up. Mm-hmm. That's the that, first thing I thought of. Exactly yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. That, that movie just, and, and to me, the way the movie ends with them all sitting around the dinner table together. Spoiler alert in case anyone I haven't, I haven't seen, it seen it yet. Oh, it's yeah. been on my list. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is just great, great movie mm-hmm. making. It, it was, really is. It is one of the most unexpected endings in a mm-hmm. film I've ever seen. Yeah. But with, beautifully for, done. For a couple different reasons. But <laughs> yeah. you know, without spoiling everything, mm-hmm. I just, I, yeah, it's. You got to check that out, Chris. And yeah, listeners, yeah, check out. Oh, yeah. Up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's on it my is, list. I'm like really... only I only have like about 15 shows that I have to watch right now. Like <laughs> right. I've got to start Andor, which I haven't started yet. Yep, me yeah. too. Yep, that's I'm on our list. On that. We I started it in my house, which... but the kids weren't the kids weren't overly thrilled. We did episode one. Um, I thought it was fantastic. But, oh, okay, is it? Uh, but... I guess is the it's, audience more for older versus it young, is, you know? yeah I would yeah. I would put this as an older audience mm-hmm. definitely more so the Mandalorian or Boba Fett mm-hmm. um, okay it's very yeah. character driven um, so okay. but yeah, I, I, I think it's gonna I think it's got great potential after the first episode so there you go okay. Um, and then you, uh, you had another question here, Dina, which I really liked is, is there anything that seems to come up frequently? Yeah. And like, like do the same kinds of issues in movies, do we keep seeing them over and over and over again? Like no one fixes them, which yeah, Mm. I, I think so. I think people don't, this is where gravity comes in. I think people just Mm. understanding the basics of space flight, the basics of how orbits work, Mm -hmm. which it's, it's. <clears throat> tricky you need to have a you, you know you need to pay attention science class <laughs> mm-hmm. well but, you taught star wars star trek almost every outer space film mm-hmm. except for maybe 2001 
mm-hmm. has explosions and fires and sounds in outer well, space. Yeah, I'm which, just actually even talking about basic orbits, not even the what the right, that you're right. in the vacuum. Oh, I'm, space. yeah, I'm yeah. taking it yeah. a yeah. different, yeah. different, different place. Mm-hmm. You're much deeper than me when it comes to science. <laughs> But you know that's 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 one thing we take every science fiction movie that mm-hmm. I know of, with few exceptions, that you know for the sake of drama mm-hmm. and believability for us because we need the act we need the pew 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 mm-hmm. you know we need the yeah, you need explosions the, you need the all that yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah uh, they're gonna be in there you know mm-hmm. well so when these things are in there and and they're wrong is this like generally because again so as a as a stem person and someone who cares Mm -hmm. about people like getting into stem is this harmful or helpful you know that you know when movies do get it wrong Mm. you know because and and i i i've been back and forth on this myself um as you know because for a while and and i think this is what i i want to my answer to be is i want to say it doesn't matter because if it still gets people interested Mm -hmm. and it gets people interested enough that they want to find out what the right answer is then it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong but but then i like i see too many people who then seem to t- go away with it and have the wrong idea and mm-hmm. don't actually look into it and don't know and don't you know just just um think that what they're seeing in the movie is real and then i'm like oh no then it does matter like i'm i'm back and forth <laughs> well it, again to me it's always where where is the story taking place is it present day or the way in the future if it's way in the future it can, it has the freedom of liberty to do wow. that but if it's but if it's current right now what we know what way things work and they take advantage of it then it's like no and well makes it harder for you to maybe sometimes you whether know, it's now or 200 years from the future or a thousand years from the future sound will never travel in a vacuum <laughs> so no. like so i mean you know i i so I'm, I'm okay with that like on certain you know like Yes, will we invent warp drive someday? You know, will, will crazy technologies so. exist? Sure, well, but basic science, basic physics is basic is not doesn't change. That's why the most truth in advertising was from the film Alien in space. No one can hear you scream. Right. Yes. Ooh, that's uh, there you go, kid. That's, that's true. just what you were talking about. <laughs> well, yeah. I wonder if it's oh. the same, Adina. This is fascinating for me. Is you know, as as scientists engineers especially aeronautical engineers and space mm-hmm. engineers or you know <laughs> think, is there such a thing as a space engineer um there's a such thing as a space architect okay that's Ooh, a that's, that's a real a cool, thing that's cool yeah that's yeah, what i want like my that? that's what i want my title to be my title cool. is currently mission architect i want space architect nice like so that. the thing that I, I i bet the same thing is true if if there are scientists like yourself who watch films that have a certain knowledge mm-hmm. um that it might really irritate them or at least make you go more so than the average person watching the film mm-hmm. might make you grit your teeth, might make you, uh, you know, I wish hey. they would have thought a little deeper about that or whatever. Mm-hmm. The same has got to be true for shows that portray lawyers that portray oh, policemen. Yeah. That Thank you, Brian. Pro, you I know, feel- I, there's got to be military men and women that oh. watch military shows and go, Oh, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. you know they uh, would never do that yeah yeah like yeah and it's my all husband, for drama yeah. it's all for the ratings it's all yeah. for well 
not necessarily, not, not, I'm going to say not necessarily. So my husband is a vet and he will, whenever we're watching something and there is some military aspect, he'll, uh, he's critiqued uniforms several times. Oh yeah. And that's something that's not necessarily for the drama or anything. It's just his, I think he's, that's just not paying attention to details or whatever, Mm -hmm. but he's like, you know, yeah, that, uh, and I don't know these things, but he's mm-hmm. like, well, wait a second. That person is, they're saying that person's an army person, but they're wearing an air force uniform or air force, like <laughs> oh, no. kinds of yeah. patterns or something. And he, he can pick that out. And from, yeah. So from a lay person, for me, my, I, I don't know. They, they said he's an army guy or an air force guy and whatever. I don't care what uniform. Are, are those oak leaves silver or gold, you yeah. know, and he says Ooh. he's a major or he's a Colonel, but yeah. that makes a big difference. And yeah. if it's wrong, it's wrong. I think yeah. for the, it's, for the, someone who is in the military, absolutely it's it's very interesting too the power of suggestion that movies have Mm -hmm. and that maybe can extend outside of films and entertainment too the power of Mm -hmm. suggestions Mm -hmm. we can tell our minds all kinds of power the brain is an incredibly powerful organ Mm -hmm. we can convince ourselves of absolute nonsense if we really wanted to, and we can come to believe that something is true that is totally false and not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in the film industry and television industry, I mean, they're, they're number one. It's to make money and entertain, right? Mm-hmm. It's to entertain us. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people are grateful for that entertainment. Yeah. And so it's, it's about that more yeah. so than anything else. Unless you get a show, a film, who says from the start, we're going to be different. We're going to do it this. We're going to find that good mix or we're going to be more heavy on this, you know? Yeah. And then they roll the dice. Yeah. Can I bring up a biology question for two movies? This has always bothered me. Jurassic Park, all of them. Yes. And then the voyage home, just the idea that you can bring like, they're like we got to bring the whales into the future and save and save the species. Great. We're bringing back the dinosaurs. Great. But what about the ecosystems? I feel like there's like, wouldn't that just totally completely destroy our ecosystem if you were to bring an extinct species back into the present? Sure. Well, I, I think there's a very big difference between, okay, this is me, the non-biology expert. I'm right. going to okay. be an expert for a second. Okay. So I think there's a big difference between the di- the Jurassic Park and the whales because right. there's a, they're like, they're very, different. very big difference. Right. Well, well, so the time, so the time scale for one, you know, the, cause it, you know, in the millions and millions of years for Jurassic Park, I mean, yeah, nothing about the planet you know, I think ecology wise is like it was when dinosaurs existed, right, you know, okay. dinosaurs went extinct, completely 100% extinct. And that, but the whole world kind of went extinct before mm-hmm. everything got rebuilt and before whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's way different from, you know, whales going extinct only it's like only 200, 250 years right, in the past. Okay. That's not that long. Mm-hmm. And the other thing with the whales is, yeah, so they kind of went extinct artificially. So bringing them back, I don't think is, I don't know. I don't feel like they bringing- wouldn't. Oh, well, I can just yeah. I can't imagine that they there wouldn't be something that would change or maybe mess things up. The fact that they have to eat, but it was already messed up. Unless, mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah. I think they should remake. Hey, I, I'm just just to clarify, this is my favorite movie of all time. But oh I yeah, you know, I agree. The, yeah, yeah. I they should agree. remake 
Um, they should do a short cartoon version of Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Instead of bringing back humpback whales, they do what Scotty thought they were going to do originally, <laughs> bring back a couple humpback, humpback people, people and save that, Mr. Scott. See if that saves the universe. <laughs> I think that was like the funniest thing that his first thought was to go to like humpback, humpback people. Oh. People? <laughs> yeah. Like Quasimodo. I was I'm thinking Igor from or Igor mm-hmm. from Young Frankenstein. Yeah. What hump? Well, I, what hump? I would love, I would love to hear from a bio, like a marine biologist. Like, I'm just curious. Like, wouldn't there be any changes? Because I don't think they were replicating well, at that time. It, well, I don't know, the, like whether they had replicators or not. It's like it's so hard to tell yeah. in in the original series. But you, but you I, think about if you reintroduce them into the ocean, is there same type of aquatic life for them to eat and survive? There, you know, would they just? Would you bring them to the earth and put them in the ocean and they die in three weeks because everything they need is not there? <laughs> that would be not the happy ending that you were expecting. From I'm just picturing that, that is the ending of the movie. It's like the whales are back. They're dead now. It's been three weeks. They're gone. Sorry. I, I mean, well, like, there's okay. a lot of other things, though, about that film that is, oh, we could sure. say, like traveling back in time. Yeah, I know. I and know. then right, perfectly but- <laughs> traveling back to the exact moment in time again. Mm-hmm. That they need with humpback whales and you know all that. But stuff. they did yeah, there's several a times in the franchise. They did it several times in the franchise up till that. You know, like the Enterprise. You're right. So they're self consistent. So they're self consistent. So I'm okay with that because of the self consistency. Mm-hmm. But the, here's the thing: the question I always had about the whales and is you know humpbacks are only one species of whales, and during the movie that's the only one we talk about. So it's the only one they talk about having gone extinct. Mm-hmm. So in terms of a food source, a lot of my, I feel like do eat, you know, a lot of the different whale species eat similar food. Mm-hmm. So right. okay. for all we know, there are still blue whales and there's still, you know, all the d- other different, very large species mm-hmm. around. So again, I'm not saying that introdu- reintroducing them is bad, but I'm just saying maybe it's not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's probably not that know. big a deal. I've just always been curious about, I've always wondered like what happens if you reintroduce like the whales, like, I guess it's like different for uh, Jurassic park, but it's just, it's just, it's not even that it's wrong or like that it would do anything. I just always wanted, would it actually do anything? So I don't know yeah. enough about well, that to, to know if that is inaccurate. There is or, this like, amazing little video. I'm going to have to find it and we're gonna have to post it. It was, they've reintroduced wolves into Yellowstone. I yes. think it was it. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And so it was a kind of a sort of a time lapse or explaining what happened when they reintroduced wolves into, yeah, it was Yellowstone um, National Park and how it really like changed the ecosystem of the park, but for the better. Yeah. And there's like a whole little video of this. We got to find that. Yeah. Um, I remember that. That is a fascinating story and example because you think adding a predator, things are going to it actually caused the ecosystem to come to thrive even more alive yeah um with the wolves there and it's and i've seen i've traveled with two wolves along a river in yellowstone we went several miles we drive up ahead of them and then within minutes they were back they were crossing in front mm-hmm. of us over across the valley yeah. um incredible but i yeah it's some sometimes bringing them back there you go chris that's mm-hmm. the answer or the oceans to thrive all the more (laughs) or yeah the negative side of introducing a creature to an area that it's not accepted hawaii has a terrible problem with pigs wild pigs they have a terrible problem with deers people brought them 
they have just because they have no natural predators. Mm. And so they have taken over the island. And now there is open season yep. to eliminate them. It's like, and so, yeah, it's not always right to reintroduce or introduce right. a, a species that doesn't exist into an environment that isn't ready for it or prepared for it. But I'm so going to say, saying... if the whales are like going to prevent a space probe from killing earth, Oh yeah, that's the right. Oh yeah, that's no, the right I'm, I'm definitely yeah. not saying like I don't want to come off as saying don't yeah, save yeah, the yeah, whales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely think you should save the whales. Well, we I should never have let them go extinct in the first place. Right. Oh, no, Sorry, exactly, I just going to make exactly. one comment. When you say that, when I hear about deers that are over, like running, and people are going open, it's open season. And I just all I can think of is oh, <laughs> talking to Worf about the Great Triple Hunt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, great. that's great okay well, there's, there's a perfect example yeah. of yeah. introducing a creature where it's not supposed to be right exactly because i have heard that of that uh, a lot. uh anyway well, Dina, there's we so many other questions? directions we could go with this conversation but i think <laughs> for this evening we we might be you know we might be it might be time to say good evening for this evening okay. so i'm gonna ask you all what, what are your final thoughts your your clothing closing thoughts and we'll start mm. with chris Ooh. Unless you weren't ready. (laughs) I, it's, I just, I, you know what? I never get tired of seeing science on screen, whether it's Mm -hmm. good or bad. I just love it when people spot out science and look at graphics on a computer. Hmm. That's what I'll say, even if it's garbage. And then I won't probably, I won't (laughs) notice it's garbage until like two in the morning where I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense, but Mm -hmm. I still love it. Cool. Steve. I'll leave by saying this, that we are all reasonable people. And when it's too far-fetched to accept, we have to shine the light of truth on it. You hear me? Moonfall. <laughs> Moonfall. <laughs> what did you say, Africa? We're going to be complaining about that one for the next year. Yep. <laughs> I love how much you guys hate it. How much you guys hate it. Like, Thank I, you, Chris. It's, it's amazing. The I opening scene is the I'm only excited. good part of that film because of the song <laughs> Africa, even though Thank it's like, you. why are they playing I, that film? That's I hope one day I'll be able to watch it for free because I'm never going to pay for it. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you have to. <laughs> I, are you done? Can, okay. Yeah. 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 I, I just want a disclaimer spoken on this episode. Uh, Star Trek four is a fantastic film. Yes. <laughs> we poked yes. a little fun at it, but it is one of the most if you have never seen star trek 4 and you say it sounds so stupid saving the whales bringing them back watch it you will be very pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. it is such a charming film mm-hmm. and it is you do not have to be a star trek fan or know much about the star trek universe to enjoy this film so mm-hmm. do that um my closing thoughts is that i appreciate um people that work hard to that are in the sciences that are you know studying and researching uh, it's, it's such an important part of humanity and helping us learn more about ourselves and about the earth and um, making breakthroughs every day probably many that we don't hear of until years later um, at times so appreciate if you're in the sciences and listening to this we salute you yeah Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well I, I agree. And I'm going to just add to that, you know, for people who are interested in creating science fiction and, and fiction and want to try to get the science right, 
even if your background, you know, isn't science, there are tons of great resources out there. I can, uh, we can put up a couple of links when we, we post this episode for anyone who, who wants to try to do that. And then I'm going to just say that I'm Adina Mignona, and this has been a lovely discussion of something that is very meaningful to me as a person who promotes the idea that science fiction can help generate interest in STEM. Science fiction got me here, and I hope it inspires whole other generations of people. So to our listeners, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts about science in your favorite science fiction or anything else in your favorite science fiction. Join us at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast Facebook group to share your thoughts and comment on this episode. Or send us an email at bigsci-fi-podcast at gmail.com. I would like to thank all of our faithful listeners and members of our Facebook group for being such an awesome supporter of the show. You are the reason we keep getting together via Zoom each week to record these episodes. So until next week, stay well, and we look forward to going with you where few podcasters have gone before. Bye.